Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Traction Pieces Podcast, episode 372. How you all doing, guys? I hope you all enjoyed the season premiere of Debris. If any of you got to catch that, if you're in in America or any of the areas that you could watch it. And if not, I hope you enjoyed the the the, 50, the first 15 minutes of it, which you can watch, as mentioned before, on YouTube. Yeah, excited about that. I also hope you enjoyed the first podcast of this week, because this is a three-parter as such, and it's going behind the album of the three records that I made with the wonderful Mr. Dan Lassac. Um And this is kind of, as I did with the solo ones, if you didn't catch them, I did no commercial breaks and distraction pieces uh, behind the albums. What happens is I sit down, I have a little speaker, I play a little bit of each track, and then I talk about any memories I have of the recording, of what the the lyrics meant, of the performing them live, all sorts of things like that. And as I mentioned in last week's either intro or outro, I had some really good little realizations and memories on this that, that it, it goes a little bit off track but in a good way i think so i think you're going to enjoy this one as i mentioned obviously i stopped making music i bang on about it all the time but i stopped making music years ago 2016 was it or f- 15 or f- 14 maybe was it 2014 jeez but that dan lasac has been making some of the best music of his career um in the last few years He's done some game soundtracks, which have really been my kind of thing. I've got a couple of the the tracks off that on a playlist. I've been doing a lot of night creeping with. But he's also done, yeah, he's done loads of really good, just a, a, a real variation of records. So you can either find him on all the socials, as Dan Lassac, or you can head over to his Patreon and you get all sorts of more exclusive stuff. Yeah. He's been going through a load of old demos and, and things things like that on Patreon recently. Stuff that were beats he made for Dolan, I think, and just all sorts of cool shit. So I highly recommend that if these episodes give you that hit of nostalgia and you want to continue into current times. I'll be back on Friday with the third of the albums that me and Dan made together, Repent, Replenish, Repeat. Um, which I think is my favourite of the three. Or I, I know it's my favourite of the three. It's kind of my joint favourite record I've made, along with Distraction Pieces. They're number one and number two in, in in regularly rotating order. And then probably Angles and then this album, Logic. Um, and then no, no Commercial Breaks. But I'm really proud of all of them. That's not... I realise as I was saying that, it sounds as if I'm going... And then there's this piece of shit, which I'm about to talk about for an hour. Not at all. As I said, you'll enjoy this. I'm going to stop rambling. Oh, I should mention that the other records I mentioned came out on Speech Development Records, which if you head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com, you can buy vinyl, you can buy DVDs, you can buy CDs, you can buy T-shirts, you can buy jumpers. You can actually buy Scroobius Pip swimwear. So just don't fuck with me, man. I've got this stuff covered. Um, you can get sunglasses, you can get gloves. And all genuinely, that's been one of the things I've enjoyed the most in recent years is coming up with genuinely creative and, in my opinion, genuinely dope merch rather than just going, here's my name on a T-shirt. There is one that is my name on a T-shirt. But, it, <laughs> but you know, actual cool designs and working with people like Mr. Heggie on a load of that. So, yeah, 
dope shit over at speechdevelopmentrecords.com. But for now, this is episode 372 of the Distraction Pieces podcast, and it is behind the album, The Logic of Chance. Hello, hello, how's it going? This is another uh, behind the album. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do all the albums. Um, and this time it's Logic of Chance, as second album, which it gets, I feel it gets talked about the least. And it's a weird one because it's got some songs on there that I have the most issue with personally. Or not issue, but regret, slight twinges. And it's also got some of the songs I'm I'm most pr- proud of. So um, it's a weird one. It is a weird one. So uh, let's just let's jump into it, I guess. Uh, anything to, t- to tell you before this? We wrote this, obviously, after Angles, and we've been touring a lot. So it's weird. It's similar to when I had Dizzy Russell on the podcast, and he talked about... You, you suddenly start to adapt to think of songs you want to play in these venues and in these arenas rather than just a song for a song's sake, thinking, oh, I want a song that goes like this for the crowd and gets everyone into it in this way or that way. And yeah, that's kind of where a lot of this came from, I think, energy-wise. But then there's still, again, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm loyal to the weirder tracks so it's always going to happen let's jump in i'm just connecting to my sonos move um let's open things back up again and let's start little sample of that um the big opener this is one of the ones i have issue with and it's weird because it's one of my favorite songs that we've ever done um i love the beat i love that intro again it's it's another one i've spoken about this with stunner and with a few others it's one that i got the beat off dan and was like oh my word this is gonna be amazing how lucky am i to get to be the person who who jumps on this um but when we were recording it, it's a weird intro. Like, there's no beat on the intro. And some of my rhyming patterns and natural flows are kind of off beat. And I like that. And I couldn't get this right in the recording. And I convinced myself I had got it right and was convinced by others. Because if you put a beat underneath it, it's spot on. But when you take that beat away, as is on the track... Basically, it's something I've talked about a few times about how an album is complete after you've toured it. 
because on tour I'd do this live and no one would notice this difference, but the delivery would be slightly different. And in my mind, the live version is the right one and the perfect one. So it's always sat with me with a slight annoyance, which is tough as the opening track on the record. It's also an interesting one because we'll get onto it later, but this was what me and Dan wanted to lead with as our first single off this record. Me in particular, I really wanted to go with that, but the label were keen to lead with Get Better, which is another song that's become one of our most popular, but I'll go into that that later because it's another regret. I wish we'd started with this because I feel this um, kind of sets out our plan. You know, it's our, it's our manifesto. It's our, here's, here's, here's the the energy with which we're coming on this record. Beat Them Heart Skipped was one of our first singles. Obviously, Thou Shout was first because that was the only one we had at that point. But Beat Them Heart Skipped was one of the first singles. My um, introduction on my solo record, I think the opener of an album, naturally in my mind, so non-commercially, in my mind, the opener of the album is the first thing that you're thinking you want them to hear. Therefore, it should be the first single. Now... Again, at, th- at this point, uh, uh, we'd had chart success and we'd been playlisted on Radio 1 and things like that. So there were teams that were trying to look at what is commercially the best introduction or what will go over the best and so on and so forth. And yeah, it's a weird one. But as I said, it's still, it was one of my f- favourites to play l- live because that's why we wrote it. We wrote it for live because it had that energy that just allowed me to explode i really enjoyed being an energetic a live performer it's the reason since i've stopped touring i have to do so much cardio um because i was used to doing 60 to 90 minutes i guess if you average it out over a year you're still looking at three or four times a week um really hard cardio sweating like a maniac going into the crowd out of the crowd all over the stage and delivering lines at the same time. So this was the perfect kind of, let's sh- sh- show them the energy that we can bring. Um, and then to counter that. Another beautiful bit of production from Dan. Um, really self-assured as well like allowing the space not thinking we need to get straight into the vocal a good producer isn't he god damn that beat's good it's another one i think it's because i'm listening on a speaker rather than in headphones but it's another one that i feel now with hindsight the vocal would have been better a little bit higher in the mix um but again particularly at this point i was very much happy to be buried in the mix but this is one of my again another one of my as i mentioned there's 
there's issues on this record and some of my proudest moments, and this is is one of them. Right in another song that's from multiple perspectives. I mean, I did it on angles, but this one felt completely different. And I wanted to write about domestic violence. Um, it wasn't something in, in my life personally, thankfully, but it was something I heard a lot about at the time and been watching a lot of things about and reading a lot of of stuff about. And I wanted to to write about it and talk about it. Um, and again, the the whole thing on all these things is trying to write, trying to find the perspectives of people because. Again, it's a thing I look at in acting a lot now. No one is aware that they're a villain or no one kind of consciously sets out to be a villain. That's something that happens in in poorly written f- fiction, I guess. So it's trying to find where this person's approach would be. I'd heard the I wish you f- five minutes in heaven before the devil knows your deadline in a film. Can't think which one. It was, I'm sure it's Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Um, but yeah, th- th- that was kind of the catalyst. But then this song was also inspired massively by um, Better Man by Pearl Jam. I fucking love that song. It's s- such a good song and it's such a a bittersweet, dark song, but it plays out beautifully. And that was the kind of, of the hope in this, I guess, to tell to tell that kind of story. And it's another one that I've had a lot of messages about. I did a, I put a spoken word version of it. I filmed a really nice with Tom, who did a lot of my videos and is, is one of my, my best friends for years. Um, and Ollie, at a theatre Ollie was working at, we filmed a version of it in one of the little smaller theatre rooms and, and put that on YouTube. And I get a lot of messages about that from people who've been in in these situations um and yeah that's where that one came from and i said it was important i talked about sick tonight being a big live one it was important to have songs like five minutes in our lives to set and off the last record magician's assistant because we were writing these songs on subjects that weren't discussed much to reach people so it's just as important to play them live as it is to stick them on your record. Um, and it allowed me to enjoy a variation of performance. It didn't have to just be that up-tempo rap gig or whatever. It could have its its ups and downs and its its, its variation. So, yeah, let's go on to, to track three. Fell in love with a boy from the city. We were inseparable, no one could separate. That's from um, Sometimes I Rhyme Slow, Sometimes I Rhyme Quick, Quick, Quick. Who did that? Um, Sometimes I Rhyme Slow, Sometimes I Rhyme Quick. We was on one, two, five, and Saint Nick. Yeah, it's got the line, we were inseparable, no one would separate, no one could separate, and I nicked that. Um, well, I need to, to look it up now. Sometimes I rhyme slow. Nice and smooth, of course. Yeah, from nice and smooth. Um, where's the actual line about sepper? Let me find it. Oh, it's such a good song. Yeah. 
Me and this girl, Jane Doe, were living together. We were inseparable. No one, oh, it's, in, it's no one could sever. I'd always heard it as no one could sever, which I just, I liked. Inseparable, no one could sever. Um, yeah, it's a really good song. So, yeah, that's where I nicked that from. And this song was originally, is, is I mean, we've mentioned it before, but originally Adele was going to be singing on this because we'd gigged with Adele a load, but then just before this record, we'd, we'd supported Mark Ronson on tour and Adele came out for a few of them. Um, and yeah, we were mates and we talked about it and she just n- never got round to it. And then Peggy Sue and the Pirates were going to sing on it, but then Dan did an EP with a girl called Kid A and she was amazing. So she, she ended up singing on it. And the other inspiration with this for this, I was hassling Dan to make a beat like this um, on the first record because of Some Velvet Morning by Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood, where there's a different tempo for the male vocal and for the female vocal. And it's, t- it's telling this story. And that's what I wanted in this. And again, Dan... I would at times get annoyed if I was kind of requesting stuff, rightfully so, because I can't describe these things and I'm not a producer. But I think it made him, he made one of his best beats on this. Let's get to the... Within those three days, it gets no better. Is a reference to three days by um, uh, uh, what's her name? In those three days, did you only love me for those three days? Let me look it up again. Did you only love me for those three days? The yeah, the song is called Th- Three Days by Lucinda Williams. Let's have a little play of it. Hopefully, I won't get in trouble. I mean, this couldn't be more different from the track that we made. It's a banger, though. Let me fast forward a bit. And I have been so fucking alone So this is now a mad... I'm going to go through the other ones. This is now a mad revelation of the different songs that influenced this. So this was another one that was influenced. This was where I got the line, we were inseparable, no one could could sepa. Sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick. And then the other one is Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood. Some Velvet Morning. See, this is why you do behind the albums to, to get this weird journey. So that's how the male vocal went, and then it gets to the female bit, and it changes tempo. You would not guess that these are the influences of this song. So now let's continue 
cauliflower because, as said, we then we've got the male vocal at one tempo and then the female vocal. No one can You see, so there's that kind of variation in tempo. I'm just going to do the whole hour on, on this song, man. This is great. As I've said before, I don't plan these. It's just what comes back in the memory. Um, so this was also my favourite uh, to do live because we only got to do it live when we were touring with Kid A and support or when we had we had Sarah Williams White on the on the last tour and it was my favorite on that one not cuz Sarah Williams is better I think Kid A has got one of the best voices ever I love Sarah Williams White as well but I'd got the performance right no actually I had it with with Kid A cuz basically my whole thing was again I like to nerd out over these little things I want to do but on the last tour we had really good lighting and stuff that highlighted the change in tempo and what I would do is every time I finished my line I'd freeze in the stance I was uh, when I finished it so that Kid A or Sarah Williams White could then kind of move around the stage doing their thing as I'm frozen like a statue and then when it kicks back in fell in love with a girl from the city and so on and so forth um so yeah there you go we got some content out of that one didn't we First two, the intro and the first two tracks covered as much time as the third track. But yeah, that's interesting. The uh, and again, I recommend you go and listen to all of all of them. Those three days by Lucinda Williams, nice and smooth. Sometimes I rhyme slow, and Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood's "Sun Velvet Morning." They all came together to make cauliflower, and that was maybe the first video we didn't we weren't in or we didn't have much involvement with oh no sick tonight we weren't in as well this was the first album that we had videos that we basically weren't in or weren't there or weren't involved in because the first album it was a guy called nick through doing all the videos most of them except for let from god to man which was um steve and russell um but i had a lot of input on all of them it was often here's the idea i've got blah 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 so on this one, we decided to leave it to the experts. But then I did my solo record and I directed all the videos there with my mate Aaron and with Tom. And by the third album, I was back on board to do that. This is Dan's most um, Street Fighter feeling beat, and I love it for that. This and another song that will come up later are the two that are the most painfully um, timeless. Because this is called Great Britain, and it's about my love and hate of Great Britain. It's about knife crime. It's about the misdiagnosis, I guess, of knife crime or the mis... um, I don't know. Uh, prescription i don't know like like the the solutions uh, have been wrong and again it's a song that particularly in 2020 and in 2019 and in 2018 i get this quoted to me a lot because it's 
I'm from a little place called Great Britain, and I don't know if I love or hate Britain. These words upon my page written are the things that make and break Britain. Um, The first line is stolen from Lil Wayne stealing from Beyonce. Because in Lil Wayne, comfortable, he says, to the left, to the left. And that's obviously from Beyonce, um, irreplaceable. To the left, to the left. Um, So this starts with one inch. To the left, to the left. Could have been the difference between life and death. Knife wound to the heart or to the side of the chest. Could have been one statistic less. But knife crime, knife crime ain't about knives. It's about young Britain and their ways of life. So, yeah, weird to be taking... Again, so in these last two songs... In the last three songs, we've had Pearl Jam, Lee Hazelwood and Nancy Sinatra, Nice and Smooth, Joanna... What's her name? I've forgotten her name now. Anyway, and and Beyonce and Lil Wayne, all influencing. Um, And the next one has another clear influence that I feel a responsibility to mention online all the time. So, yeah, that's great, Britain. It was good fun to play live because it had loads of energy. And I just love that computer game feel uh, beat from Dan. Now, the next track, Get better is is one of the love hate ones because we had periods both of us i think of really disliking this song because we went off it and it's partly because it was the one that we we went with as our single and i now love it because again or playing it live made us love it more and more because the crowd adored it the crowd would bounce up and down they'd really get into it and it was beautiful but i think it's not representative of the whole album and that was the only issue i think that we had at the time so starting with this which is kind of a softer song it's kind of just being it's a song for the kids i remember thinking of that nas song i know i can be what i want to be if i work hard at it i'll be where i want to be and i wanted to write a song that was 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 like that that was unashamedly trying to be motivational for young people and not trying to be cool and hip or whatever and we made get better and i it's mad because like years later frank turner ended up writing a song called get better and he it was from listening to this that it kind of started that 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 idea um Again, as I said, it was a, it was just weird. We had issue with it because it became our opening single, and I think a few of the reviews weren't good, or a few uh, more from the fans, I think, because it was a softer side. And again, I think it's fine to have these things, as we've always had throughout the album. But as our kind of here's our second record that's got tons of pressure on, I think it made people think, oh, are they just trying to go poppy? Are they trying to do this or do that? Um, but yeah, here, here we go. It, the reaction that this had get live as this dropped was just amazing. So cool. Boom. Again, a long intro. We don't mind a long intro. Imagine a song that really reached out and touched kids in a daily male way. So that's get better. Uh, the the video for this was 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 good 
fun again. It was a first time working with a director, and he was a skateboarder. He was a like older dude who'd done like loads of huge videos. I'm sure he'd done like Smith's videos and stuff. I can't remember his name, but he was cool as fuck. And I remember on one of the tracking shots, like he's in his forties or fifties or something. He just he's, he grabs the camera and he jumps on a, a skateboard and he's just cruising along and filming. And yeah, it was cool as fuck. I can't remember the town we filmed it in, but it was the the pregnancy capital, the the teen pregnancy capital of the UK. It was had the highest statistic. So yeah, it seemed it seemed relevant. But um, as I said, I've got issues with it. I think there's lyrically there's some oversimplification. But again, in the context of an album, an album that is clearly saying that the government are letting us down, I mean, we'll get to that in a couple of songs. It's all there, but on its own, standalone, it sounds like it's saying, just do it all yourself, mate. And that can be tone deaf to people who have got really hard lives and are in really tough situations, and it isn't as simple as just self-motivation. As I I literally say something like self-motivation it's as simple as that and it isn't so yeah um it's a weird one in that way because i think there's flaws as a standalone track partly because it plays into the the fucking tory thing of uh, we need to all chip in together and take care of everything when a lot of these things are things that our government should be taking care of and should be looking after and kind of saying come on all of us pull together and we'll all look after this area of society or whatever and it's like no you're meant to be looking after that and i believe in both but not one without the other we shouldn't be picking up the slack from a shit government we should be picking up the slack because the government is shit whilst demanding that that they get better and yeah i think some of that gets blurred as a standalone as said we've had great britain already and we're we're coming up to stake a claim which is a clear attack on a mismanaged governments and countries. But yeah, the the lyric that I get a lot of love for in this, I've got a line in it where I say, as as Billy says, whether you have or you have not wealth, the system might fail you, but don't fail yourself. And I get such love for the system might fail you, but don't fail yourself. And it's a Billy Bragg line. I literally say, as Billy said, whether you have or you have not wealth, it's from his song, To Have or To Have Not. The system might fail you, but don't fail yourself. And when we did our last ever tour, we played London and Billy Bragg, because Billy had had us support him on an early date and he'd had us play his stage at Glastonbury. I idolised Billy. He's from my end of my area of the country. He's he's off the A13 and he speaks in a voice I recognise. And he's a just amazing poet and musician and just activist and legend. It's why I wanted to quote him in this. But we got him to come and join us on stage. And man, it was scary because we played to have and to have not. So he played guitar. Dan had built like a synth pattern to make it fit our, our set more. And I did a verse and Billy did a verse and all this. Nietzsche did a verse. And it was just so cool. It's one of my highlights of my life that was just a mind-blowing, is this happening? We've got a sold-out Coco. There's a couple of thousand people here. I've got Billy Bragg next to me and he's playing guitar as I'm singing his verse and then he's doing the chorus. And I think we did that and then went in to get better. So as Billy walked off, and there's a video of it on YouTube because I look up at my mum and because my mum was there in the balcony, I go, Mum, did you fucking see that? That was Billy Bragg. How mad's that? 
and then we get and, and then we we go into to get better. And I had tears in my eyes. I'm welling up now because it was such an amazing thing to get to do. I said, Billy is a true idol, and to have him see me and us as his peers and people he respects as well was oh, it's mad, it's wicked. So then we we went in to get better, and genuinely, the tears in my eyes as I said the line. As Billy says, whether you have or you have not wealth, the system might fail you, but don't fail yourself. Ah, oh. <laughs> this is getting emotional. Remembering those live days. I'm not going back to tattooing or making music, kids. Calm down. Now, there's two two tracks on this album, or three, kind of four, that I barely remember. More two, Inert Explosions and The Beat are two that I barely remember because we never played them live. They were ones that weren't with a strong lyric in lyrical intention if that makes sense it wasn't like here's the message i want to get across it was just like i love this beat i'm going to weave some stuff and play with syllables or on inert explosions anyway which is next so let's play it's a killer beat i don't know why i forget about it Instantly, I'm remembering that the inspiration for this kind of song was um, the Blueprint track that was on Aesop Rock's EP, Alchemy, it was called. And he'd start by just going, As, I'd like, it's one of the first things I learned, and I've I've just known it for years because it's so good. It'd just be, As, I won't do it in his accent because that'll verge on offensive, but I spit with immense amounts of power, sparks, rain, showers, Cowards cower underneath our storm clouds that indicate the acid rain hour. It's now or never, ever ending on the bad note, making the crowd choke for spitting a bad quote blueprint, which your approach. I smash black folks and white folks alike with jokes on mic. I make a Kodak moment out of the most boring open mic. I'll make a sad man appreciate rap again. Fuck around, forget just how whack it's been. I'm a bad man. Why is that? I catch bullets in my molars, body slam bowers, take flight with the weight of the world on my shoulders and blame David Blaine for any signs that hold us. What started out as food for thought turned into my appetite for life forms. Small planets and satellites. Yeah. Alchemy. Um, I missed a few bits, but but I've not listened to that in years, and that's still there because he's such a good writer. So that was kind of... I think I started writing it over that beat. So what's the opening line? Yeah. When I spit intensity intensifies, I spit with immense amounts of power. Sparks, rain, showers. So it was about that. Um, inert explosions. The idea of that was just getting a track where you're you're just focused on what you're 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 doing, and you're kind of writing about the process and writing about the excitement and energy of it, and writing for the sake of writing. So I guess that's why it's one that doesn't stand out in my head because it's not one where, like a Get Better or a Great Britain or a Five Minutes or any of these that are. A specific story. Oh, another thing, actually, I remembered on on on, on cauliflower. I know I spent fifteen fifteen minutes on it, but I was originally the reason Adele was going to 
be on it was I was originally writing it. Again, it's a rare kind of, it feels like a love song, but it was written about when you hear a song for the first time and you fall in love with that song, with the person performing the song, with everything that they put into the song, or with that specific recording of the song. And it's just the most intense thing. And you listen to it over and over again. And I think it was the Daydreamer by Adele. Again, I've spoken about it a few times. I think the day Adele joined MySpace, she, she found my Thousand Words piece and I found her Daydreamer. And we were, were both just messaging back and forth like, fuck, I've listened to this like t- 10 times. I'm loving it. And that was what that was about. Because it's about that falling in love with an a fictional thing. It's a, it's a three-minute version of a human, but you can fall so deeply in love with everything about that song and you've never even seen the person or whatever else, but it's just, ah. Oh. So that's that's what that was about. But, but back to songs other than, than Cauliflower. And the reason Peggy Sue and the Pirates were going to do it was because their song, New Song, was another one that did, did that to me that I just listened to on loop and loop. I was like, oh man, I am madly in love with everything about this song. So yeah, that's why it kind of talks about it being a stolen kiss rather than a real kiss. Because again, you're having all these emotions for this track that is, it's, 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 it's one way, it's passive. Um, yeah, let's get on to the next one that's sadly, painfully re- irrelevant. Skip forward a bit because it's another long intro. In this democracy, I, as a citizen, reserve the right to stand up for what I believe in. In this democracy, I, as a citizen, am not accountable to the government. In this democracy, the government is accountable to us. Represent us, the people, in our best interests on a national and international scale. And if they are not doing so, in this democracy, I as a citizen reserve the right to rise up. I will not move, I will not shake. So yeah, uh, I let that play out because that opening kind of manifesto or pledge is one that gets quoted to me all the time because it seems permanently relevant. Um, I talked about it with Joe from uh, Idols, and it's that you kind of write songs hoping that they'll be timeless, and then when you realise what you've written about and the ones that become timeless, it becomes a bit depressing. Because, yeah, that shouldn't be a permanently relevant thing. Um, It's reminded me as well, on Great Britain, there's a bit in the middle or towards the end there's a i don't know if it's called a middle eight i don't really know what a middle eight is but i've heard that as a songwriting term where in the song i give a load of stats on knife crime and how they've been spun inaccurately and that was cool because live i never gave those stats but it gave me a chance to talk about anything that was going on at the time so at the point of touring that there was a lot of movement with the, the bmp so I could really rant about the BMP and say fuck the BMP and get everyone kind of moving and active and 
and angry about the the BNP or UKIP or whomever else. So yeah, that was handy. But this was always, again, a big one live because you'd get them to to kind of chant along or pledge along. And obviously, as every political song ever, it's massively influenced by Rage Against the Machine. There's a bit at the end where I, I'm shouting, I will stand up tall, and it's. Hang on, let me. I will stake a claim. Sorry. And that was um, influenced by um, a Rage song, which is the one at the end. It's off the first album. Um, I can't remember. But it, there's a bit at the end where it just kind of drops out as he's screaming his uh, his last declaration. So, yeah, obviously everyone is influenced by Rage. Anyone who's writing a political song, Billy Bragg and Rage are the two, the two tones to take with political songs let's go on to we've only got a few left let's let's go on to onto the beat Yeah, this was the other one alongside Inert Explosions that I don't really um, remember that much because it's not one that we played loads live. We will have played it on the first tour, but not loads. And it, as as the lyrics from me says, this is all about the beat and about the words. Um, and again, the point of it was it was it was one that we wanted to, to fuck about with live that didn't have people have to, to sit there and f- 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 focus on my bloody bloody intricate ramblings one that was just a party track so yeah i can't tell you too much about that dan made the beat and it sounded dope and i thought right i want to put in a vocal that has a lot of repetition so again i have a habit of ramming as much into a small space as possible well that's what she said and i i wanted to try and get away from that on this so yeah that's that's that one let's get let's get on to last i wish i had more to say on that but because it's not a song that's about the lyrics as much i can't i can't tell you too much man it was a good one to do live and people would get into it and 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 rave out that was at the point again because on angles we kind of were sitting in between the dance world and the hip-hop world and the spoken word world and all these worlds and i think we'd been doing a few different more dancey things in europe in Europe in particular, where, again, there's going to be a language barrier. So we wanted to have a few tracks that could just be more of a... More, essentially, Dan doing his thing and me just being his prop as such. So that was that was that one. 
Last Train Home is about the train from Fenchurch Street to Stamperley Hope that um, not been getting much recently because of obviously the pandemic. But let's have a listen. Oh, good beat. Do, do, do. See, again, it was a, a good one that was fun to play about with um, s- syllables and flows. I remember when this album came out, a fan tweeted going like, oh, it's shit because it's all the same flow or rhyme pattern. And I was like, what? Because this angles is a lot more that, but this was really, I remember just really having fun playing about with patterns and movements and flows and starting points and coming in points and dropping out points. And yeah, yeah, that was always a lot of fun. And it, it remains, I remain avoiding the last train home from uh, from Fenchurch Street to anywhere in Essex. Um, again, again, another one I get messages about every now and then because if people are on the last train home, it, it springs to mind because it can be a bloody mess of pissheads. Now, this next one is another one I forget because we didn't play it much live. But it's one that I'm really pleased with the lyrics of it and the sentiment. I remember when I was on a Rich Wilson's Insane in the Membrane podcast, he talked about it as being one that really jumped out to him. But it's one that I forget about all the time. So this is uh, Snob. We, the, this album was all about the long intros, wasn't it? It's coming in, the vocals in a minute, I swear. That's right. You see, this was one that was... It took a lot of back and forth between me and Dan because this was obviously while I was getting into the mindset of distraction pieces of my solo record of wanting to make something that was more punk and more that just tempo because lyrically or flow-wise... Get to the chorus, hang on. See, I forgot this song completely. Even when people have talked about it, I've forgotten how it actually goes. Clearly, um, I'd say massively influenced by 
Jamie T and by the people that influence Jamie T at this point. Uh, I think Jamie T's awesome. He's an absolute G. And this, this lyrically, it's about not being a, a, a snob about mu- music. And again, I wanted to tell two stories. I wanted to tell a story of a working class kid feeling excluded uh, an opera or whatever at the, at the theatre or at some kind of musical. And I wanted to write about because, again, a lot of people will talk about that, but they won't acknowledge that there's a snobbery with hip-hop and with punk, that if, if posh kids are into it, it's like, yeah, fuck off, mate. Um, so I wanted to write about a posher girl called Francesca. Was it Francesca or a friend's call her Chessie? <laughs> Frankie and Francesca. Yeah, so I just, again, I made up posh girl and a, a, a working class lad um, and wanted to to tell that story of uh, not being a snob about these things. The snobbery of music and art and all sorts of things is ridiculous. It should all be open to everyone. Now, there should be respect. Like, B. Dolan was a real one that taught me that hip-hop is... It comes from the black community, and that should be respected. It's fine for, for white people to to get into it, to get in it, but they should know the history. And it's why I'm, you know, I was already a, a massive hip hop nerd, but it made me even more of a hip hop nerd because it's like, right, if I'm going to be in this world, I need to pay my dues and earn my place, you, you know, and not just be, oh, I'll jump in and exploit an art form, you know. People talk a lot about cultural appropriation. It's it's weird because people should be taking influences from everywhere. Um, I believe a, the best society is a society where we're all mixing together and taking influences from everyone. But again, it's the respect part of it. It's the respect and the paying your dues and learning your history and not just going, cool, I'll do that now. Yeah, and that's what this that song was about. Now we're on to the last song on the album. And now it's... Spotify, there's a bonus track, which I'll talk about briefly at the end because I did with the Angles one. But yeah, this last one could be the song that means the most to me, potentially. Let's let's hit it. It's with Kid Carpet, who I adore. Like We had Kid Carpet support us on tour a few times and I, I love that man deeply. All right, excellent production from Dan as well outside of his of what he's n- known for but not outside of his comfort zone at all so this is kid carpet and i should mention that this was cowboy was a kid carpet's song and i i loved it and i had this story i wanted to tell which i'll get onto in a minute and cowboy seemed like the perfect thing to, to to play with so let's go in I might play a fair bit of this one Even when it seems we might be can't sustain the damages. Ella lived in London. She was an office clerk. 
uh, spoiler, this has already made me cry. Um, (laughs) It's weird to be crying about my own song, but the reason, again, I ain't listened to this in ages, but it starts, it opens with a dedication. And again, I've said previously that I generally write fiction and draw from numerous experiences to make a new fictional story. So take from 10 stories I've experienced in my life and make a new story. So I'm not exploiting any. But this was a story that I asked my mum and my aunt and my uncle if it was okay for me to tell. Because it's a true story about my nan. And yeah, she's obviously not not with us anymore. And God, that hit me when it starts with the uh, this story's dedicated to its main protagonist. And it illustrates the human brain and how it manages or something like that. Um, but the story is, again, I won't play the whole song, but I'll fast forward to a bit because it's a bit that really has gone on to mean more and more to me. I was told this song... This song, this story, when I was in my teens, and it was such an inspirational story because it's horrible and dark, but it's just mad that someone can be that calm in the face of horrific circumstances. As the as the lyrics say, my nan, as when she was a bit younger, was walking home from work, and someone grabbed her and took her in an alley, and had a knife and was going to rape her. And there was nothing that she could do about it. And in the moment, she calmly kind of said, look, my house is just across the the road. She she was almost home. She's like, it's raining. Let's just go in there. And then you can do what you're going to do. But at least we can get out the rain. And he went for it. And what he didn't know was her husband, my granddad, was a six foot four police officer. So... She opened the door, they went in, and there he was, stood there like, what the fuck's going on? The guy ran, and my my granddad gave chase. And, um, yeah, it's just mad inspirational to know that we can push through and pull through these things. <laughs> I didn't expect to get emotional on this one at all. Now let's go to the lyric at the end, because there's a bit... Oh, there's a lyric at the end that I wrote Partly inspired by Musa Okwonga again. I mentioned him a load on the Angles one. He had a song about London being the best fighter of all time. And he he kind of puts the strengths up against Muhammad Ali or Tyson or whoever else. So I wanted to write this whole thing as a metaphor of, of London and Britain. And when the terrorist attack happened a couple of years back on the bridge and there was a stabbing... Madly, one of the police officers who I've had on the podcast, Leo McLeod, he ended up getting this lyric tattooed on his leg to commemorate because he was he was one of the first attenders, and it was him and a couple of his mates who were there, essentially fighting this this terrorist attack, and he got the lyric tattooed on. So let's see if I can find it. Man, that was. I nailed that. That was the exact right spot. So it's from, and that is London, and that is Britain.
So, yes. Yeah, so, there we go. The beat I love because it reminded me of um, The Shining by Badly Drawn Boy, which I maintain is one of the best pieces of music to come out of these fine shores. The Kid Carpet shout at the end, we won't lay down and we won't be defeated. Kid Carpet was because I've been listening to to a lot of Lil Wayne again the Carter 3 is one of the best is one of my favourite rap albums of all time and Lil Wayne on his song with Babyface it's comfortable again he goes face he just shouts face as he goes over over to the chorus and throws it over to face to to finish it yeah there we go who who knew I was going to get emotional the big surprises on this was about half of the episode is on cauliflower which wasn't even one of the biggest songs and then i got unexpectedly emotional thinking about me nan the bonus track is one that's a proper kind of i forget it's on spotify and stuff like that because originally it wasn't on the actual album so if you bought the physical copies of the album it wasn't on there but it was a bonus track on certain on i don't know you used to have to do an itunes bonus or whatever else so yeah let's have a, a bit of a listen to to the astounding Ernest, Ernest Brace, because it's one that I forget was out there, but I really enjoyed writing. I liked the story that was told. It didn't fit on the record. That's why it wasn't on there, but I liked it. I was not... <coughs> It's about a, a, a guy who was an old, old-time old kind of vaudeville performer who then was riding things out as entertainment changed. Um, and, yeah, I just it's, it was an unusual story to tell. It's all fiction. I made this character up and really enjoyed it. Again, I think that was this, or from the start, I've always liked to just tell stories, and this is a real example of that. It's why I've jumped so happily into writing s- scripts and stuff. Because it, I, I love, yeah, I love that part of it. But um, a cacophony of mockeries would imitate and copy me was one of the lines, which I always was really p- pleased with the the flow of those words. A cacophony of mockeries would imitate and copy me. So yeah, there we go. I'm going to end it there. A weird ending, but that's it. That was the the behind the album of the Logic of Chance. All on Spotify, iTunes, all those places. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you learnt some bits. And I'll see you later. Exactly an hour. Like, obviously, if you look at the time on your podcast thing, it'll be over an hour. But that's because I'm just saying, without the intro, I was just about to press stop and I glanced down and it's I've been talking for exactly an hour. So that's exciting, right? Can we all agree that's exciting? Okay, bye. You've been listening to Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was the behind the album of The Logic of Chance. I hope you enjoyed that. I, the bit that I kept mentioning, I didn't want to spoil. I really enjoyed kind of remembering that of those three days as an influence, some velvet morning, sometimes I rhyme slow, sometimes I rhyme quick, quick, 
quick. So yeah, just remembering all of those things were the kind of jump off points and comfortable by Lil Wayne or irreplaceable by Beyonce because irreplaceable influence, comfortable and comfortable influence to the left, to the left in the, in, in Great Britain. One inch to the left, to the left. Irreplaceable is a banger as is comfortable. I'll be back on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Three podcasts for you lot this week, you lucky things. I mean, I've plugged Dan's Patreon a lot. If you're enjoying these podcasts, you might want to sling a few bucks at your boy. Patreon.com slash Pip. It's an option. I'm just putting it out there. It's an option. It's not a necessity. These are free for your enjoyment, but it's an option. If you can afford it, then, you know, you, 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 you're paying for someone who can't afford it. Do you know what I mean? You're helping keep this podcast free. But yeah, it's not essential, but it's there. It's an option. It. I'll be real. You get more value from Dan Lassac's Patreon. <laughs> I don't really post on mine. I don't really give you anything. Mine is more a donation page out of gratitude for all the work I put in. <laughs> um, whereas Dan's has stuff and it's, yeah, it's far. Just, yeah, you may as well just invest in Dan's Patreon. I feel you. I understand. I ain't going to be mad. Yeah, I'll be back on Friday to, to discuss repent, replenish, repeat. Until then, stay sane, stay safe, regardless of uh, changing rules and regulations and changing implication of risk. And stay sexy, regardless of any fears you may have the varying levels of your sexiness 12 months into a global event um, of incredibly stressful proportions. You are and you continue to remain a sexy little thing. And I know that because you're listening to this podcast and it couldn't be any other way. I will see you on Friday. Ta-ta.